Next week, we're heading to Treefort Music Festival in Boise, Idaho. We're going to have a live broadcast for an hour next week, plus Facebook Live every day from the festival. But first, we hung out with Logan Lynn. Logan Lynn has been everywhere, from development deals with MTV, hosting a show with Logo, his days with the Dandy Warhols on their management, and to now, where he's focused as a mental health advocate and finding the biggest success so far as an artist with his new album, Adieu. This is Gritty Birds, an X-Ray FM radio show and podcast all about the grip behind successful artists and creatives. 107.1, 91.1 Portland, Oregon, 99.9 Vancouver, Washington, and you can find me on all major podcast networks. My name is Jenny Ren Stotrup, an artist and producer on the search of a new artist and story every week. Hi. Hi, Logan. Hi. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. You are really flashy and shiny today. <laughs> yeah. Not just today. Is all it, days. Is it the MO of, of you? I think so. Yeah. I, especially in this time of year, like when it gets really gray in Portland and everything starts raining down and I feel like I'm not leaving the house. Part of how I get myself to leave the house is by um, looking a certain way that I like and then being able to like look down and be like, oh, those are pretty throughout the day every time I look at the sky so it how, is it's characterological so how many shiny shoes do you have that's a tough question I have I have a lot I have a sh- I, w- I don't like saying it's a problem because I don't want to like pathologize my shopping but I do enjoy a pretty shoe which is a pair that you have really enjoyed recently I really like the ones I'm wearing these Gucci glitter ones that feel very um, springy and happy which is really kind of nice considering it's like pouring rain outside Uh uh-huh that's the point it's pouring rain it's terrible but if i just kind of keep focused on i'm my own sunshine i'm my own sparkle then i get through i like that your hair sparkles also (laughs) (laughs) now that's natural that is natural i don't want the listener to think i'm i'm doing any kind of glitter weaving it's it's all natural have you ever done glitter weaving no but i did see a whole like photography book about dudes who had like glitter beards and it was all woven it's pretty i like that i like a little um sis a little flash (laughs) yeah um I, I enjoyed watching your outfits from the last few weeks. Yeah. It's like we're fairly new friends. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I, I rem- there was this one comment where someone's like, that's the outfit you wore at the Grammys. You're like, no, that was the outfit I wore at the Grammys. And this is the other one. <laughs> I know. Don't come for me, internet strangers. <laughs> don't. Yeah, I was very clearly wearing a white tux at the Grammys mm-hmm. and a gold tux at whatever other. I've been going to all these award shows. This I've bought five different tuxedos since January. And there's a little bit more to calm so So i've entered some new part of my life where i have to go to fancy parties oh no that sounds so terrible (laughs) i did frame it that way i actually wasn't complaining (laughs) no i figured as much (laughs) poor me and my tuxedos what was it that brought on so many this particular year well i think probably the combination of the things i do right so Mm -hmm. then i had a record come out last year at the end of the year i had five singles on radio and so i was going to the grammys for a number of reasons that being one of them i finally got invited to the party which is good not nominated but invited in the room so you know baby steps uh and then uh with keep oregon well and all this mental health matters advocacy work i do um i'm being given an award next month by the national council so i had to get a suit for that and then we went to um the lines for life gala so sheila hamilton my beloved friend and advocacy partner could get an award. It's not all about me, but yeah. uh, I do tend to 
want to look a certain way when I go somewhere. And she was getting honored for her work as well. So yeah. both of you are like... <laughs> We're getting awards. It's funny. They're not even awards. <laughs> like you're you're two people who have been in the public eye for a long time that are, are taking kind of the struggles that you've been doing yeah. into a way where you're bringing light for other people who've experienced the same in really positive, yeah. glowing ways. That's the idea. I think we're trying to, you know, I'm trying to use my lived experience of being a person who has struggled with his mental and behavioral health care for his whole life. Uh, and, you know, Sheila's experience of losing her husband to suicide. Mm-hmm. We are trying to center our lived experience of mental health around joy and around hope and around music and art and authors and, and um, you know, trying to change the narrative that the public has by way of um, ourselves. What? How did you and Sheila meet? Well, I was hired in 2014, so I'd done a little bit of work with Cover Oregon on that rollout when the Obamacare was happening, and and the rollout of the advertising was really successful. But then, you know, the website didn't work, so I didn't. I wasn't part of the website. I was part of the <laughs> community engagement. Um, but the person who I had worked with there uh, was the, is the board chair for Trillium Family Services, which is Oregon's largest provider of mental and behavioral health care for children. Uh, and she came to me in 2014 with the pitch of, "Hey, do you want to help us build an advocacy platform?" Uh, and I thought, hmm, okay, that sounds fun. You know, like if I, I don't think at the time I really understood how powerful it could be, but I, you know, I, I said, sure. You know, I, I've always, we were talking a little bit earlier around um, my struggle ongoing is trying to find meaning in my life, trying to find things that fulfill me in a sustainable way. Um, and, you know, I, I am a musician, so my first record came out in, in 2000. So I've been doing that part for a while. And and over the years, as I became more public and was on TV talking about myself, I accidentally kind of became a mental health advocate, right? Like I was yeah. talking about my recovery. I was talking about my struggle. I was talking about being a survivor and didn't really have a name for what I was doing. But what I was doing was mental health advocacy. And so people out there, I think noticed and asked me to to come partner with Trillium and and we launched Keep Oregon Well, which is um, a public advocacy campaign designed to reduce stigma and and center people around um, issues of mental health and hope. Yeah. So what is like? I have a severe anxiety disorder uh-huh. and like PTSD yep. and depression. Yeah. Um, and so like today was really stressful just mm. because like I woke up at seven, I'd slept for six hours and I went straight to a meeting that felt intense yeah. and then went to therapy and I was like, I have three <laughs> weeks of too much. Can we cancel the next appointment? Cause I don't know if I, if, if that's going to help me. And she's like, you need to like go to the gym. I'm like, I don't know when I can go right. to the gym. And I, it turned out that I like whole, I'd, I'd um, there's like a whole week of space that uh-huh. had I'd missed. And I was so relieved that there was another week in March. Yeah. And the yeah. reason was, is all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait, now there's I a pause there. <laughs> and that was really relieving. Um, what what are some of the things that like you have in your mental health? Sure. First of all, thank you for saying that. I think, yeah. you know, part of Keep Oregon Well and part of what I'm doing is like, it's a coming out movement, right? It's yeah. about me saying, hey, I'm Logan Lynn. I'm successful and I, I struggle with persistent suicidal ideation or depression, you know, when I was um, and, and just to put, to put a pin on that. The thank you. Um, the more of us that do what you just did, the easier it gets, right? Yeah. Then it's all of us. And I think the funny thing is that we've all been conditioned through society, through media, through even through therapists and the mental health industry to think that our brain is not part of our body. 
right? Even the funding streams that pay for mental health in America are separate from physical health. And so I think I'm trying to really put the brain back on the body. That's what our whole campaign and team are trying to do. It's like, why would you ever feel weird about saying, hey, I'm struggling. I need to go to the doctor. If I broke my arm, I would not ever think twice about that, right? Yeah. And so there's, I think there's a society issue that I, I feel useful around. Um, and, and I'm drawn to that work because... You know, when I was young, I um, experienced a sexual assault at age seven. I, I also have PTSD and um, started using drugs and cocaine when I was 10 years old and, and have been clean now as of next week for nine years. Oh, wow. um, but I still struggle with the reasons I was using, you know, like my trauma. I'm a survivor and I, I feel like I'm one of the more resilient people I know. Um, and music has a lot to do with that, right? Like my ability to to put all of this, whatever this mess is into something and make it beautiful has been really helpful for me. Um, but I still, you know, I got clean and uh, just because you stop using drugs doesn't mean that your problems go away. In fact, I feel like my problems were then suddenly more pronounced. And I was like, oh, my goodness, no wonder I was using Coke for so many years. Um, so I continue to struggle with um, not as much wanting to kill myself uh, like I used to because I've really gotten in touch with with the seed of my trauma and have been able to really unpack that and and live this healthy person's life and and recontextualize um, those events that I had strapped to my back so early on um, but I still sometimes don't want to get out of bed I still have a deep loneliness that is persistent and doesn't ever go away even when I'm with people or in relationship. And I have a desire to um, reposition that struggle and suffering and pain or trauma in my life in a way where it's not driving the boat. Some like it rough, I like it all the time. So what if I want to make you mine? And what if you wait for just the right time? So long that the right time passes you by No rules, no rules, no rules No rules, no rules, no rules And I want you to wrap your hands around my neck So what if I want you to shake me to death And what if it gets was I Like It All the Time by Logan Lynn. You're listening to Gritty Birds on X-Ray FM. And today we're having a frank conversation with Logan Lynn. You know, we all have trauma. Being alive is traumatic. And, and so there's varying degrees of, of those traumatic experiences. But none of us get to escape being human. And, um, and I, this is part of my humanity. It's part of all of our humanity. How, what was the transition like when you got sober for writing music? Yeah, it was 
bad. I <laughs> was signed to EMI at the time. The Dandy Warhols had um, signed me to put out this record, and I was you know, I had a partial stroke. I was using so much crack cocaine and alcohol that I almost died multiple times. And, um, so I took that money that I was supposed to use on the record and I put myself in rehab and I was in there for about a year, um, with it, working with a team of people to just sort of pick up the pieces, stop treating my symptoms and, and really get to the bottom of why I was using. And then when I came out, I was like, Oh my God, this record is not the record I want to make. Right. Like all the work we had done was done by a drug addict and somebody yeah. who was really, sad and hopeless and um and so i uh i threw out that record and we started over and and i think always my touchstone you know i was 17 when my first record came out i always was singing about this i was always singing about my trauma and my reaction to my trauma but i didn't have language for it right and so it was much more about um, me being a party boy or or me having this nihilistic view of the world and it was like let's burn it down and let's start with me and and so i think i had the skill set there to take what i was feeling and put it into a listenable format mm-hmm. right for myself so that i could look at my pain and and my suffering in a way that didn't feel um quite so dangerous and yeah. so I think once I got clean, I was able to apply that skill set to writing and and really explore issues of healing or issues of what happens after that sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And um, and that's been really cool. I think I've gotten better as a songwriter. Obviously, not being um, you know totally checked out. So what happens after sex, drugs, and rock and roll? Well, I wrote a record about suicide, so <laughs> there's that. There's that on the base level. Um, you know, I think life life happens finally. I I I was so sucked into this idea of who I was publicly, and I bought into my PR, and I bought into the label's idea of me, and I was doing everything that everybody else wanted me to do, and a lot of that didn't have space for. My mental health condition, my need to be at home, my need to have people around me who saw me and my struggle in a way that they didn't want to exploit. Um, And so I think what comes after all of that is I quit the label. I took control of my life. I took control of my music. I took control mainly of my schedule. Mm -hmm. And I have applied... um, a sense of control to the whole thing. You know, even though this record was, you know, I wrote it during a mental health breakdown, I had the wherewithal to record myself, right? Which was new. A, a person who's um, dying of cocaine overdoses almost doesn't have the wherewithal to do those sorts of things. So I think there's also, uh, from a musical perspective or from, a, from the art piece, um, the access got way easier. The access to myself. Yeah. Yeah. The access to my words or melodies or, you know, if you listen to those records, even the difference between 2009 and 2016, I was sober for all, all during that period. But you can tell that this person over here in 2009, who's put out this record is so, so, so sad and struggling and, and not wanting to be here. And I think adieu, this new record is, is still that same person, but this person's fighting to be here. You know, I, I let go of the bells and whistles. I let go of the techno noise. I, I, I feel like the music is more raw now and, and my emotions are um, 
accompanying that in a way that feels way more upfront and way less hidden and I think probably way more engaging. What tell me about one of the songs on the record that you really engage with and about the process of creating that? Sure. I mean the whole thing so like I said I had a mental health breakdown. My Pomeranian who was my best friend died in in 2012 and my partner left shortly thereafter and life kind of fell apart. Um, and I locked myself in. I think historically I would have gone and been like, screw this. I'm going to go drink or use drugs or whatever. I'm going to go do something terrible to myself to take take all this world out on my, my, my life. Um, and instead, I locked myself in the house and I spent about six weeks in there kind of recovering from the loss and trying to get in touch with myself again and in the process I recorded about 500 voice notes on my phone and and then once I came to we distilled I, I went in there and and obviously some of it was incoherent nonsense a lot of it was crying and screaming <laughs> um, and some of that actually made it on the record but uh, you know there were songs in there and the, and there were songs in there that I felt I had finally been able to say what I had been trying to say this whole time. You know, for 18 years, I've been trying to make this record, I think, and and finally was able to. It was hard, man. Like we, I recorded it, started, I wrote it in 2012, and it came out in 2016 in uh, you know September and December. Oh, so wow. it, it took a while, um, and a lot of that was me getting used to the idea that people would ever hear this. What have been the positive coping strategies for you as somebody who has still, like, kept up with your plan? Yeah. Uh, I mean... I have a I have a support system in place. I, I also, um, you know, I wouldn't have put this record out if I didn't have people like Sheila Hamilton or surrounding me, Jay Moore, all these people who really believe in me, who are my my family and my friends, mm-hmm. who uh, were supporting me and encouraging me and saying that they would stick by me through it no matter what happened. Like all of that mattered, um, and I think there's something to be said for finding your inner resilience uh, before you announce, right? Like the the trauma that happened to me when I was seven to nine, I didn't really start talking about openly for 30 years, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a new thing. And, and I've, I, I think people out there saw me do stuff that they probably thought, God, he's crazy, you know, <laughs> like blow up my label or, or send out a press release that I was going to quit music or start working at a community center in the middle of my tour or different things I did. Those there, things happened? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and more, all these yeah. things and more. Okay. Uh, it was a, it was quite the public display for years. And, and I think what's been emboldening now is once I got diagnosed, once I realized what was happening, it made so much more sense. My behavior, the weird stuff I had done and said or written or whatever, suddenly I was like, oh, right, that makes sense. And so I think I was emboldened to also share my story publicly so that it could make sense to other people. Because mm-hmm. you don't have a 16-year addiction to cocaine and crack cocaine and alcohol without really hurting some people and, and really... Um, misrepresenting yourself you know I, I feel like I misrepresented who who I was because who I was had been taken from me tell me you tell me you love me break me down 
That was Break Me Down by Logan Lin. Next week, we're going to be doing a whole bunch of really fun Facebook Live. And this next segment is actually from a Facebook Live video that you can find on the Gritty Birds page. But take a listen. We have a lot of fun in it. Okay. So, uh, first record. Yeah. First record? First record. Mine? Yeah. Yeah. So, I was... um, Am I miking it again? Because we're, yeah, because well, podcast technically, yeah. You guys might not be able to see my face, but it's gonna be it's good. There. You can hear me on the he radio. Nice. Oh, here, that's the best of both worlds. <laughs> um, okay. First record. I was 17 years old, and I had um, been a DJ in the Midwest and moved out here, and um, was trying to uh, survive. Right, like I was trying to really get my footing as a as a human being, and had started writing songs. Um, had met Elliot Smith and Zia McCabe from the Dandy Warhols and Dan Reed from Dan Reed Network and was like doing these weird shows that were kind of a combination of um, techno and folk. And in fact, the mixtape was called This Is Folk Techno, which I would, you know, that's what a 17-year-old names his first mixtape. Um, but I was playing these shows around town and I, I think the general response from people was like, what? is this guy doing? Like people just stood around and sort of scratched their heads. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that first record Glee came out in 2000 um, and it was received pretty well by critics. That's kind of been my thing, right? Like critical people are like, yeah, it's a good record. And then do people want to listen to it? Sometimes or maybe (laughs) or only certain parts or not at all, right? So those are two different worlds as anybody, you, you make music, you know the difference between like critical sale uh critical success and and commercial success but um no clue what you're talking about yeah, yeah. i am not familiar with either personally no um yeah no i uh i so i put it out there and um i think it, it it landed how it landed and then in 2005 when the postal service came out like mm-hmm. ben gibbard's electronic project mm-hmm. suddenly people were like oh that's what that guy's been doing this whole time. <laughs> and then suddenly like my, uh, through MySpace, I, I re-released that record and, and people discovered me through MySpace th- so from, ben from then. Ben Gibbard kind of discovered you even though you had nothing to do with or it. Or did I give Ben Gibbard my mm. record five years earlier and then he got a great idea? One, one can never know. Um, both things probably are true. They're both all true and not true at the same time. Mostly not true and <laughs> true. <laughs> okay, yeah. um, t- let's play a game of uh of two was it two two truths and a lie this in case people ask questions i feel like i'm awkwardly holding david simpson joined oh that's my uncle oh hey david my uncle david uncle david i have an uncle david amazing Um, (laughs) oh my gosh that's so amazing i feel so connected to you (laughs) (laughs) okay okay let's play um two truths and a lie okay i'll go first first oh okay it's not like a question i go first yeah it's like where you give two and then i then i I guess two truths and a lie yeah um i was in dance class all growing up Uh, i learned how to play piano on um johnny cash's piano and my grandma taught johnny cash how to sing and play the piano and i turned 
Oh, I already told you. Oh, I messed that and up. I know the second one because I looked on Wikipedia. So uh, number one's wrong. No, you're not. No, number one is true. I was trying to think of a lie. Oh, yeah, oh. I was in dance class all oh, growing but up. But number three was about to be a lie. Yeah, but I was going to say I turn truth. 40 next week. But I know that you turn. No, like, I'm 38. I, yeah. We already talked about it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at that game. And again, I'll say my whole life is about truth. So of course I'm bad at this lie. <laughs> Anybody who knew me back before I got clean is going to say, no, he's not bad at lying. But. Oh, but that was like... <laughs> now I am. I'm reformed. What is the like most ridiculous lie that you ever gave that you remember? Oh, gosh. When I was young, I was so traumatized and needing to escape that I, when we moved, I told everybody I was going to go be on Kids Incorporated. Really? Yeah. That's and funny. I might have been a little Maybe. here and there, but it wasn't like I was starring on Kids Incorporated. And that right. was definitely the impression I got or I gave. There were some doozies. You know, I also moved to San Francisco. There was a store here in Portland called Poker Face that I worked with. Jason, who owned it, He's actually he actually died a few years back. But it was like Portland's first high-end uh, clothing store. And I was moving to San Francisco. I was super young. I, was, I just turned 21. And he said he would get me a job at this place called Villains in San Francisco, but that I needed to be 27. Okay. And so I moved there and I told everybody I was 27 and it was like this huge lie that I built my entire life around yeah. and eventually it all came crashing down because lies are like visa cards, right? Eventually yeah. you pay that bill. It's real. It, the truth it comes out. It always happens. It always comes You're out. You're going to you tell the truth up front. It's way better cuz eventually you have all this interest and all this like collateral damage that happens with your lies. So I think that was probably the big one. Neither of those were particularly funny. <laughs> but they were uh, extreme, uh, you know, non-truths. This might be a good pause. Let's for pause. Pause. So Facebook Live. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. And then we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week at Tree Fort. Tree Fort in Boise. In Boise. <laughs> hey, this is Logan Lynn, and you're listening to Gritty Birds on X-Ray FM. I'll be posting a less edited and extended version of the episode with Logan in the next few weeks. You can find out more about Logan Lynn at loganlynnmusic.com. His new album, Adieu, is out right now. Thanks for tuning in to Gritty Birds, an X-Ray FM radio show and podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Gritty Birds. Next week, we're going to have a long, fun, extended trip to Boise, Idaho for Tree Fort Music Festival. Please tune in to the X-Ray socials as well as Gritty Birds to be able to get exclusive interviews with bands like Y, Sassy Black, and more. You can sign up for our mailing list at grittybirds.com. We've got a lot of things that are extending that I can't talk about on radio because of FCC regulations. If you haven't yet, please consider nominating us for Best of Portland, Best Podcast. We have an infographic about how to do so on our page on Facebook, so go check that out. We'd love to have your support. Gritty Birds is produced by myself, Jenny Renstotrip, with the amazing support of X-Ray FM. See you again next week for a long, fun week at Tree Fort Music Festival. Oh, 